if it's a private company, there is a certain freedom that they have to do whatever they want to do. You know, the, the debate that has happened 20 years, 30 years, or maybe 40 years ago, which is like a mom and pop store refusing to entertain a person of color or a person of a certain orientation and saying, well, it's a private business. I don't want your kind here. Was that okay with us or was that not okay with us? And does that fall under this principle or not? You look at a platform like Facebook or, or Twitter, uh, they tag, um, as I mentioned already, I think they, they tag people that are state-owned media. They tag people that are um, standing for office or, or fighting for office. They, they tag people who are belong to a certain political party and so on. Uh, for me, that is a kind of acknowledgement uh, that even from Twitter, or even from these platforms, that they believe that they have an influence on public conversation. Because why would you need to create those tags and, that, and create quote-unquote private transparency if you were not an important or key cornerstone in, in public discourse? Welcome to the Lucas Scrobot Show. I'm Lucas Scrobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Today, we are joined by Chirag, who is the CEO of AMIA Media, which is the largest podcasting syndicate platform in the United Arab Emirates. And Chirag, thank you so much for being here on the show. I thought we'd agree that it was going to be up and coming media mogul or something. You know, what, we're, we, there's a lot of things <laughs> we went through. We, we spent maybe an hour debating what your title would be. Media mogul. We did not do that. I, that, 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 that makes me sound like a horrible person now that I spend an hour debating <laughs> <laughs> my title with you for no reason other than just because it was cool. But Ch Chirag, you, you, we, you've, you've been on the show before and you, yeah. as this, the CEO of a media platform, a podcast that I think you have, what, 17, 18 shows now underneath your umbrella? We'll, yeah, we'll be at 17 uh, later this month. The, the conversation that we are talking about today, it, it's really quite important. The conversation about big tech censorship, where are the boundary lines? And this is not just, you know, obviously the thing that tipped off this conversation was the, the political situation and mess in America. But today, for all those listening, we're not going to be focusing as much on what's happening in America. Rather, there are much greater global implications of, of Twitter and Facebook and every other platform, Amazon, that is going to impact our lives no matter whether you are in Uganda or in India or UAE. It doesn't matter these things are touching each and every one of our lives. So Chirag, where do we, where do we even start? How do we even kick this off? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Um, I think funny, I mean, you were mentioning that, um, you know, I've been on the show before. Uh, incidentally, this is something we kind of touched on, uh, albeit a little indirectly, right? So one of the things that came up during that conversation is sort of this idea of owning your data, owning what you write, owning what you post. And we also talked about the fact that uh, one of the things that social media has enabled or landed up enabling as a platform or as platforms is that we've lost the ownership of our data that used to exist in the blogging days or in sort of previous days anyway. Uh, and I think that now this is, with everything that's happened and everything that's going on, this is again a question that comes back to the front of it, which is when we're discussing uh, the ability of a platform to you know, prevent you from saying something or modify in some way what you're saying and how you're saying it. Uh, and the fact that you could be 
the the wiping off bit is a bit secondary, but the fact that it could be modified, the fact that it could be impacted is, I think, takes its own kind of center stage at the moment. Uh, the one thing I want to kind of open by saying as well, as, as you pointed out already, is like our, our goal was not to get into the sort of that debate because I think it's it's there's too many layers. And again, at least for me, I don't live in there anymore. And it's, so it's just kind of like an outside observance. Uh, but I think one of the things that we are, that I find seriously problematic is we tend to do this sort of people over principle conversation, right? Uh, I like somebody, therefore I'm going to violate policy to support them. And I don't like somebody, therefore, even if the policy doesn't exist, we're going to create it just so, or I'm going to support the fact that a policy that could be potentially slippery and cause a problem or, or create an unfair advantage or, and so many other different derivations of that, uh, but I'll support it because I don't like the person who's, who's saying it. And I think this is something we need to kind of really <laughs> revisit mm. as, as just people and as the public and as people that are users of all of these platforms, that is that going to be okay with us long-term? Well, even if we may support that today. So what you're saying is, is putting our, our, to put our passions aside or to put our emotions aside of how we feel about certain individuals and instead look at the actions, the behaviors, the words objectively, and then apply those principles equally across the spectrum of whether we yeah, like as, an individual as, or uh, not, rather than saying this is okay correct. because I like them, but this is not okay because I don't like them. Yeah. And, and we see this constantly. Uh, I mean, I think, and this is a, it's a feature on social media currently, and I'm not even talking about the elections anymore, uh, where, you know, you'd see somebody that uh, you like say something that you would have other, or, or I've seen the same person take a very hard stance of criticizing and retweeting constantly the fact that someone has said something they didn't like. And then suddenly somebody they like has said the same thing. And they're like, it's really unfair that they're being targeted. And I'm like, well, you spent like all of last week targeting someone else for the same thing, you know, like, unfortunately I, I you know, memory is short and people forget and kind of move on and it's an outrage today. And then you just move on and do something else tomorrow. So uh, yeah, those, those are all again, lots of areas where we can go about this, but I think fundamentally that's what I'm trying to get at, which is look, like, ultimately we are human, we're emotional. We have our passions, they come out. This is not something that, uh, we should be we should be apologetic for perhaps, but when we're discussing something as serious as saying you know um, you could uh, a, a platform like social media that has the reach that uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever does takes an action that has tremendous impact. Uh, we're now we're not even debating it because we're just having this conversation that says, well, I didn't like the guy, so it's cool. So and the debate's over. So there's there's these two laws. There's Section 230, which people have been talking about, and Article 79, which is uh, a law in India, an article in India, India, mm -hmm. which which is delineating. It's very important to understand this because it's delineating the difference between what a publisher is. And a platform. So the, the example goes, a, a phone company is a platform of, sources, of sorts. So I can pick up the phone and I can call someone. And let's say on that phone, I hatch a, a plot to, you know, I don't know, steal my kid's candy. And during that time, all right, I, I carry it through. I get caught. Well, is, is the telephone company responsible because... I plotted over this, this platform. 
or not. And the law has shown, okay, well, the telephone company is not responsible. It's just a service provider, a platform. Whereas a publisher is someone who's curating and, and editing information. And this is really the hinge of, of the debates right now of, of what's happening with President Donald Trump being banned from Twitter and then Facebook and Snapchat. You name the platform, he no longer has a presence. Can you break down, you know, what these two laws articles are and how should we be viewing this? How, how do you see this? Can I start by saying that maybe, I don't know, can I take the stand that I think that telephone companies should reimburse your kids with candy? I least? think they should. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Uh, so, okay, look, fundamentally, I mean, uh, we, we def- the, the delineation or the differentiation is just that something that acts as a arbitrator of passing communication between people or from one person to many or whatever should be treated as a platform and therefore is not liable for the stuff that is said on the platform. And uh, that's the essence of what our uh, section 230 says. And there's also roughly the section of uh, the, the impact of what article 79 in the Indian IT Act says. Uh, and the difference again is that, uh, I, I don't, if you look at, you know, we, we, we often have this phrase in India, we talk about the letter and the spirit of the law in a way, and, uh, which is that something is written in words and then something is like, what was the purpose or why was this law in, put in place? And obviously when you have a, it would, uh, heavily stunned the growth of any platform if they were going to be liable for every piece of content that was put out there, right? Because right. people have different views, people have could be saying things, could be utilizing the platform for many things. And is it fair to hold the platform responsible for something that someone is using their platform to say, just like you, you gave the example of the phone service? Now, in the Indian IT Act especially, and I think this is also kind of arbit- uh, a part of uh, 230, is that these rules apply provided that the content is distributed as it was given to them, right? So any modification of this content kind of then delineates the difference of this protection to say you are not liable or liable. And I think that that's where this whole, and this is kind of where this debate has gotten renewed, but this actually debate has been going on for a couple of years. Um, and, and I know a lot of people that I follow in, in the Indian circles are kind of have been talking about this in terms of social media to say, well, when you are putting a tag on something, when you are... Uh, and I, and I'm, this is, I mean, in everybody's memory currently is the tag that says like this claim is disputed being the tag, but actually that's not really the tag that, that's not the first tag that a Twitter or Facebook has put up, right? We've have, we have verification is a kind of tag, but we have tags for uh, people that are running for office in some capacity. We have tags for people that belong to certain political parties. We now have tags in the last, I think, during 2020, I think this is something that came out, but we have tags on Twitter for state-owned media. Right. So there is this kind of additions that people are adding and modifications that are being added. It's not just a clean feed anymore. Right? There's there's that. You also have uh, Twitter has this. Uh, what is it called? It's a sensitive content filter, mm-hmm. I think, uh, which in principle is to prevent you from seeing something that could either be not safe for work or could be uh, problematic. I mean, it could be gruesome. Or it could be something like that. And those kind of videos. Uh, but I've seen it, by the way, get applied on some very, very what looks very benign things that someone has tried to post a certain picture and it's gotten flagged through that system. Uh, But again, so these are all different kind of modifications that these platforms are constantly applying. And uh, I mean, I would argue that these, these modifications are fairly valid and they should have them. It's good to create that kind of transparency. Uh, but when we talk about these laws and we talk about, you know, again, when they were written, the Indian IT Act was written in 2000. It's been 20 years uh, since then. Okay, there have been some modifications, but it's been 20 years since the idea was conceived. And a lot has changed since then. And so the question to me or the question that I want to leave 
listeners with is should we reevaluate what it means to have that protection should we reevaluate what the law itself says as one part of it and then should we reevaluate what the platforms have been doing and then should they be what what should they fall under because in, right now because as it stands those laws provide these platforms to essentially have immunity over what has happened on or what conversations happen on those platforms. So, but your argument here is that the moment that you're adding a tag or even verification where you're saying this is more trustworthy than this, or, you know, we agree with this, or an algorithm is promoting some things and shadow banning other things, in some ways, that's a form of curation and a form of becoming a publisher, which then wouldn't that then hold them liable, and then they need to actually Look, move the censorship. Uh, yeah, I, I, so so this, this is why this is why I framed it as saying I think this is something we need to reevaluate. Only because a I'm not a uh, I'm in no form a constitutional lawyer in any any capacity in any of these countries that we're discussing today. Uh, but also that I think, like I said, this stuff was written 20 years ago, which means that at the time the purpose was something else or or it was different. And that, that context may have changed, right? Because in 2000, we, did we have all these platforms? Did they have the sizes that they have today? So a lot has changed since since then, and we need to reevaluate that. Um, the way the Indian law is written as an example, or the exception that is written, is it's to me, that says all the stuff you mentioned is in disagreement with what that law actually says, right? Because ultimately, any modification implies that. But... Technology is a, is a funny thing, right? An algorithm, when running by itself, when done in the right way and format, uh, creates lots of things, whether it's engagement, whether it's the fact that, you know, you can hold tweets while a person would happen overnight and present it to somebody in the morning because they would have missed it if they just waited chronologically until, you know, if something happened at 4 a.m. and they don't, they're not there to see it. There are reasons why algorithms can be put in place to create all sorts of things, like missing tweets or whatever else, Right. So that's why I feel like we should we should maybe look at this law and try to understand because at the like I said again at the moment if you look just purely by the letter of it there's a violation but you can also argue that actually the algorithm exists for a good purpose and in fact this is one of those things that like a couple of years ago you know the Indian government actually asked Twitter to come in and say you know I think we should you should be transparent about the decision tree that goes into when like that allows the algorithm to decide what tweet should show up in this kind of modulated feed and not right and there was, even if you look at, say, an Instagram, there was quite wide outrage about the fact that Instagram had switched from a chronological feed to a, yeah. to a modified one. And, the, and the Twitter as well, when Twitter made that change, I mean, at the time, Twitter wasn't as big. So I think most people are just used to seeing that. But I still remember when they, they were like, don't worry, we'll give you the option. You can select the thing on the corner and say, show me the regular feed versus show me the modified feed. And like, you know, two days in later when you came in, they would switch it back for you until you have to keep remembering to go and change that. Um, I mean, I see, I see tweets and I see people on Instagram almost every day who say, hey, can you like leave me a comment if you can see this? Because I'm not sure if my stuff is showing up anymore because I'm seeing a drop in engagement. So there's a lot of like underlying layers. And I'm not saying that every algorithm or every situation is, 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 is malicious. But that's one of the reasons why they said, okay, well, why don't you just tell us what the decision tree is and how you do it? Because as long as there's no other bias that's affecting this, because if me as an individual have chosen to follow someone, uh, and we go back to ideologically that I incline, align with or the persons whose stuff I want to follow, irrespective of what they say, uh, or, or rather what they say should not determine that in, in a way. Uh, so these are, I mean, for me, these are very complex questions that, again, like I said, we are looking at laws. I mean, unfortunately, 
that's the way the system works, right? Technology out innovates law all the time. Uh, and so I think, A, we shouldn't leave things lying around for 20 years until we get back to debating it, but then B, it, it's always going to come later. The law, the innovation is going to come first and the law follows later, right? You look at everything from driverless cars or whatever, we still don't have proper regulation around driverless cars, but driverless cars are out there, right? So these things are, are being looked at later. We look at the Uber and, and sort of the that whole system, like the innovation came first and then the laws got amended to cater to that demand. So that's always going to be the case, I think. But I think it's so important that we start, we, we revisit these things a lot quicker than we do, but also kind of question whether or not, is the law serving the purpose it was set out to do, which is to say, we want to give them immunity because it's not fair. But today when the, you can arbitrarily apply a policy, arbitrarily verify somebody, arbitrarily do whatever, or apply a law. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen applications of law that came out with, oh, by the way, there was this clause 7.1.1. that actually does not allow this. That's why we banned somebody. And then you're suddenly sitting there going like, wait, you just discovered that you had this law? Like, a, what about all the other stuff that we've been complaining about for ages and ages, right? Right. So these are these are all, uh, to me, they're all pretty slippery precedents. Yeah, because, you know, right now what, what precipitated, precipitated all this was President Trump getting banned. And so, you know, there was the, the Capitol Hill riots and and then his account was being suspended for 12 hours when he came back his he made two tweets and these are the two tweets and and bringing this up because in some ways you're saying you know all of a sudden they're discovering these new laws and rules that well we're we're now deciding to implement this rule and we're like well what about all these other people that have been inciting violence for years and years and causing riots much larger. Not just, by the way, not just, not just in the US, I and mean, what I'm talking, uh, my perspective is a worldwide thing, which is I'm seeing, you know, and again, I'm not interested in naming anybody particularly, but I'm seeing tons and tons of people who have made very inflammatory things all around the world, uh, and they're still around. Right. And, and I know that there, there have been movements and campaigns to try and, and then at least block them, ban them, question the tweets or whatever. And uh, the only thing that comes out of it is like, well, according to our our review, we don't feel like this is uh, good enough. Uh, right. Is a very, to me, it's, it's a very problematic issue. So, so here's, here's the precedence though. So President Trump tweeted these two things. First, he said, for the 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, America first, and make America great again, we will have a great voice long into the future. They will not be dis disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. He tweeted once more before getting banned. He said, to all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration. This then caused him to be banned from Twitter and Facebook and every other platform. Literally everywhere else. Everywhere yeah. else. But where it gets even more, so this is like the precedent. All of a sudden, in from my point of view, I can't see an inciting of violence or of violence from those two tweets, which essentially caused him to ultimately be banned. But then there are other platforms that were using AWS, Amazon hosting services that were also overnight, they essentially said, hey, you know, we are a private company. So if you want to say these things, go find someplace else to say it. So he was going to go over to another platform. And at that time, Apple when the, the app that we're talking about is Parler, Apple said, we don't want you on our app store. So, you know, go somewhere and else. Google did that too. And, 
and eventually AWS kicked them off. And then AWS kicked them off. So now, so now here we have this precedent that has been has been set. And I think this is this is something that's troublesome. And to everyone that I talk with, even people who support um, this action, what I'm hearing people say, and you've said this already, is like, well, I I agree with what they did. And even it's it, even Jack said this. Uh, he said, you know, I think we made the right move, but it's also a scary precedent that we just set. It's like, wait a minute. So the we disagree with the principle. We disagree with the fact that we're going to essentially just shut someone out of the the public conversation, not just one individual, but essentially everyone who follows that individual, the 80 million people who wanted to hear from Donald Trump and the the millions of users on Parler essentially saying you are no longer accepted in this public square. But then the the irony of it all is Uganda, leading up to their elections just this past week, have said, yeah. okay, yeah. well, we are going to turn off all social media services because maybe they- At least until the election's done. Yeah, until yeah. the election's done. And what does Twitter say? This is a this is a violations of people's rights. We need to encourage open debate and conversation. It's like, wait a minute, just moments ago, you said we can't have open debate and conversation. Like the precedent that is is being set on a global scale by private companies, private enterprises that are controlling the communication channels for most the entire globe. In three, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Google, Apple, um, Amazon, they're really controlling the entire infrastructure. So so what what's one supposed to do? Or do they 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 leave Twitter and start their own platform? Their platform get kicks off servers, so they have to make their own servers and then well they have to make their own, uh, you know, fiber lines because the internet servers won't host them. Like like what are like where does it where does this end? And maybe you like it today, but what happens when in 10 years, someone else is in power and they come after the things that you like. Yeah, they do the exact opposite. I, and this is exactly what, going back to the people, the principle over people kind of conversation, right? Is that this this argument that like, well, like you just said, a lot of people saying this, I've heard this too, but also essentially Jack coming out and roughly saying exactly this, which is, look, I know we've set a days in precedent, but in this case, we think it's okay. And the reason you think it's okay, it's because I don't like the person. So you, you're making the person bigger than the principal. Um, and that's, so for me, this, as I said, fundamentally, that argument is, is inherently problematic. Um, you were talking about Uganda. I mean, I think the, the other side of this debate is now when you're looking at it from a world lens in a way, like when we're looking from sitting here where I am now, uh, where my flow of conversation, as much as I do follow, to some extent, what's happening in the States, as, as, we, as we all do and, and the rest of the world, also looking at sort of what's happening, let's say, in, in a country like India, which is very diverse and there's a lot of conversation about a lot of different things that happens. But uh, the impact of social media in a place like India is, where is not the same as it is in the States, I believe, anyway, but we, uh, I don't have the stats on what kind of penetration exists in both places, but roughly... Uh, where in India, especially like social media is something that you see in the, the cities and, and those kind of areas where the real world kind of lives on WhatsApp and messaging as opposed to sort of working towards creating content creation, right? Um, 
but when you're looking at it from that kind of lens to say, okay, well, and, and this, by the way, is something that has come up in the Indian conversation over and over again over the last few days, is, well, if they can do it their own, to their own precedent <laughs> or their own sitting precedent, what does that mean for the rest of us? Yeah. Because ultimately, and this is where I'm bringing sort of the legal framework into this is, uh, you know, Twitter or Facebook or whatever is technically liable under American law. But are they liable in laws in other countries? So we saw, for example, there's a, there's, a, there's a massive debate, especially happening in India, about WhatsApp and the fact that WhatsApp came out and said, hey, we're changing our policies. By the way, we, you know, we're getting the alerts here too, uh, that, uh, that we're going to be sharing some data with Facebook, which I guess was an eventuality anyway. And it, it, it created this whole kind of debate. WhatsApp is running full page, front page ads at the moment in India saying that, no, 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 we value your privacy. Don't worry. Um, but we're also seeing simultaneously news of WhatsApp coming out and saying, well, by the way, the people who live in the EU because of GDPR will not have to agree to, to this, to this new terms and conditions. Hmm. So you're kind of seeing this like really like sort of diversification, bifurcation, uh, some people even calling it racism at this point to say like, why are people in India being subject to this, but you're not doing it to Europe. Right. And, and what's, what's the deal. And Again, this is sort of, this is where all of this stuff is coming kind of, and I feel like this is going, what it, where it's going to turn towards is you're going to kind of have a lot of countries turn around and say, wait a minute, uh, they are not liable yet. They are controlling a lot of the conversation. And so maybe we're going to step in and do something about it, whether that involves a change of law, whether we talk about a revisit of the articles we mentioned, or whether it turns out to be like, well, we're going to support an indigenous service and give them some kind of benefit that we, we will not give Twitter. I don't know. I mean, it can take many forms here. Uh, and again, I think it's going to take a couple of years before we see any of this really come to light because if, you know, we're sowing the seeds now, but I think that's what you're going to start seeing because I mean, we, the Ugandan example is, is probably like the other extreme, of course, and I don't think necessarily that will happen everywhere, but it's the other extreme where they're saying, actually, we feel like you're interfering in our election or we are seeing that you are because, I mean, the president, by the way, I need to provide context is that the Ugandan government said, you've banned a bunch of accounts that support us. And so we think that you're trying to influence the, the outcome or you're trying to influence the conversation. And therefore, we're just not going to let you operate for six months. Let the election go by and then you can be back. No problem. But we don't, we don't feel like you're unfairly going to try and change the conversation. Which is, which uh, is I've the, seen that happen in India. The irony, so. the, the deep irony going back, you know, I'm an American, so I, I, I'm more U.S. <laughs> politics. Sorry, everyone listening. Yeah. Is is that what was what, what Hillary essentially said for four years that social media influenced and rigged and stole the election for Trump? And so it's like this argument was been been used by both sides. And so yeah, constantly. And, and so it goes back. It goes back to your point of when we when people don't like the person or don't like the bias of it, then we say it's good. But if we do like the bias of it, then we say. Yeah, we let it go. Yeah. We're, we're fine with letting we're fine with letting what can be a very slippery slope go because it's working. It's convenient or it's working towards our, what we want, and uh, the alternative is not. And I think that that's. I mean, it's too normal today, unfortunately, and I think it's something we need to change. And again, that's something. Um, I think as well. I mean, when you when you were talking just now about sort of the comparison and 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 that. I mean, that's. I think that's what I want to. Maybe a question, and I don't really want to, again, not get it without getting into it. I think a question we should leave listeners with is like, why did it happen now and not a year ago, not two years ago, not three years ago, not four years ago, not six months ago? Why did it happen now? And I think that there is a lot in that timing. Uh, like I said, again, I mean, it's very difficult to then expand on that without getting into very intricacies of politics. So I do not want to, but I think there is, 
it, that is the first question I asked. Why did it happen just now? Why did it happen, you know, 10 days before this other event? Why, why now? Mm. And why in this sort of manner, right? Um, and so I think that that's, again, we go back to the same thing where ultimately we're applying, we need to kind of revisit a lot of what we understand as freedom of speech, which I think is a debate some people have been trying to have um, in the wake of something like this um, and, and also look at the legalities of how things operate because ultimately um, whether today we don't, we do not have indigenous services in a country like India, for example, that, that operate on a social network format. There are some, but all the ones that existed before have either been bought out or shut down over the years. And ultimately we are all, the whole world is kind of pretty much connecting over the platforms you mentioned, right? At the end of the day. Um, and there is going to be sort of, I think, a repercussion of it because a lot of people are going to say, well, that's too much control. That's not in our jurisdiction. And so either we bring them under our jurisdiction and say, hey, you want, which by the way, some countries have done, right? If you want to operate here, you have to set up a local entity here that we can kind of file, you know, we can take you to court if we need to, et cetera. Um, and I think that that is either, either that will happen or we'll say, you know, we won't, we just won't let you operate in our country. So um, here's, as Uganda's here's doing. the closing question. You know, you mentioned freedom of speech. Uh, one argument that is floating <laughs> around is, is that, well, these are, are private companies and therefore, there's not an infringement of freedom of speech because they're still free to speak. They just can't speak on our on our private company's network. And and so where where like what's the solution? What how do we view that? How do we view these private companies? Is this a violation of freedom uh. of speech? Or well, they're private companies, and you know that's just the way life is. Yeah, this one is a, it's, it's a tricky question, right? Because I, I can see the argument. And I, in fact, in some level, I agree with the argument in principle to say, if it's a private company, there is a certain freedom that they have to do whatever they want to do in a way. Um, and I think that having said that, um, you know, the, the debate that has happened 20 years, 30 years, or maybe 40 years ago, which is like a mom and pop store refusing to entertain a person of color or a person of a certain orientation and saying, well, it's a private business. I don't want your kind here. Was that okay with us or was that not okay with us? And does that fall under this principle or not? Because they're a private business. They're allowed to refuse the, I mean, you have the line, right? We are, we, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. And then we will decide how we decide to refuse service to somebody. Um, I mean, there's a, <laughs> because I'll, I'll quote friends whenever I get the chance to, but there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, there's, there's a chance in friends where like, obviously, Ross, who's uh, dating Rachel and who um, the, the coffee shop barista is like really infatuated over. When he kind of breaks her heart, the guy comes and shows him the sign says, we, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone, ask him to leave, right? It's arbitrary is the point. <laughs> um, and so, and so where we, are we okay with that kind of a thing to say, well, if it, can a private company refuse on the basis of an infringement of something? Uh, and so I think, so the, my first question that I'm putting out there is, where is that line to be drawn? Because yes, they're a private company and they should be allowed to do some things and certain decisions should be their own, but there has to be a line somewhere that says, well, at some point that might infringe on someone's liberty or freedom. And then do we, should we make that line clearer? One. Uh, two, I think one of the things with these platforms, and I think in, I go back to this thing where we have these laws written 20 years ago, we should reevaluate them and what their purpose was. You look at a platform like Facebook or, or Twitter, uh, they tag, um, as I mentioned already, I think they, they tag people that are state-owned media. They tag people that are um, standing for office or, or fighting for office. They, they tag people who are belong to a certain political party and so on. 
for me, that is a kind of acknowledgement uh, that even from Twitter or even from these platforms, that they believe that they have an influence on public conversation. Because why would you need to create those tags and, that, and create quote-unquote transparency if you were not an important or key cornerstone in, in public discourse? So if you are the reason a politician is connecting with supporters and people that want to oppose him or, or, or question him, uh, or, and even we can take that w one grade down to say celebrities, right? Ultimately, you are acting as a channel to allow a celebrity to connect with his, his or her fans. And that's why you're verifying him so people know that this is the legitimate account of said celebrity. And, or you're tagging someone and saying, hey, this post is coming from state-owned media, so understand that it comes with a certain bias and so on. So in that light, does this apply as blanketly as we are just saying, it was just a private company, we should just let them do whatever they want. Uh, because I think that even that has to be defined through a line and that line has changed and uh, the global digital world we live in has also caused that to change. And I think it's something we need to look at again because I don't think it's as simple as saying a private company should do whatever they want because as I gave you the example of refusing service to someone in a restaurant as being, as, and I think, I think everybody will say this one isn't a violation, everybody will agree that one is a violation and that's problematic to me to say that ultimately we need to kind of think of these things from, from that lens and say, where is that line? How do we draw it? And how do we maybe redefine it in the era that we're living in now? Well, Chirag, thank you so much for being on the show. Those are great questions. I, I don't think that, as you said, th there's no real clear answer right now. So they're all questions we need to be thinking through, grappling with, thinking about. And uh, I just, I thank you for taking the time out today to be on the show. Uh, you can all find Chirag wherever you listen to your podcast and Amia Media, Media on Instagram. Yeah. Um, a huge library of shows. Highly recommend them. Largest podcast network in Dubai. So Chirag, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Lucas. Don't go away. We'll be right back with a closing segment from Weaver and Loom. And welcome back to Weaver and Loom, the part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can weave our destiny and own our future. Today's quote. Today's quote is by Stanley Milgram from his book, Obedience to Authority. He writes this, control the manner in which a man interprets his world and you have gone a long way towards controlling his behavior. That is why ideology, an attempt to interpret the condition of man, is always a prominent feature of revolutions, wars, and other circumstances in which individuals are called upon to perform extraordinary acts. In our episode with Chirag, in our discussion, one of the big things that ha has come up was the fact that these massive companies that are global, bigger than most economies of most nations, bigger population of, of users than most nations, they have the ability by tweaking algorithms to, as Milgram says, to control the manner in which a man interprets his world. They are no longer operating as merely billboards or 
a telephone service where it's just a way that people can connect and transfer information. And this was the greatest thing. This was a great thing about internet 2.0 that all of a sudden we had connectivity across the globe where you and I, just like here, could connect without gatekeepers, without intermediaries, where we could access information. Journalists could do investigative journalism and write and have an audience to the world. But it seems, and we, we could be wrong, it, it could, things could turn the other direction, but it seems from the recent events across the globe that there is becoming a, a fractured, a fracturedness to it, where in a time when we used to have no gatekeepers in the in the the, the online web 2.0 social media world of of MySpace and early Instagram, early Twitter, where there was all of a sudden the sense of of being able to connect with the world without any hindrances, without any intermediaries. Now all of a sudden that has changed. That the gatekeepers, a few, very few global gatekeepers have stepped in to say, we are the arbitrators of truth in the world. We say what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. We say what can go and what can't go. And another thing Chirag mentioned quite rightfully was how it's arbitrary. These rules and laws are being applied arbitrarily to people that they like and dislike. People that they like, they get a free pass. They're like, well, yeah, there's these People have been inciting violence for years, but you know what? We kind of, we like them, so we're going to let it slide. Whereas someone that maybe they don't like, they'll purge their accounts, they'll, they'll silence them. And so maybe, maybe it's not a violation of their free speech, but I think we can all see that these few companies have extra, an extraordinary amount of power, an extraordinary amount of power to change the way that a man and a woman interprets the world around them so that their purposes, their thought patterns, their worldview, their ideology can shape the way that we view and see the world. And this is why freedom of speech, the freedom to connect with one another, an open debate, an open forum is so important because if we don't have, if we silence everyone who disagrees with us, then no matter whether we start off being right or not, but if we silence everyone that disagrees with us and we, and we turn off all the checks and balances of our life, of society, we will head in a dangerous direction even if in the beginning we're silencing the quote-unquote right people. And for all those out there who, who agree, who say, well, you know what? I think that the principle's bad, but in this case, it was right. Well, do you not realize that the precedent and the principle is setting you up that one day you might be the one on the chopping block, that you might be the next one, where all of a sudden they disagree with you and you suffer the consequences and you and your community are pushed out of the public square of, of communication, of connectivity. We need all sides. We need all sides to be able to connect and communicate with one another if we are going to, as a globe, find a way forward. Otherwise, we will become more isolated 
fall into more tribalism, more of fracturedness in the geopolitical sphere, and an inability to connect. So my encouragement to you today is to think about these questions. And most importantly, find people who don't agree with you. Find people who don't think the way that you think and listen to their arguments. Listen to what they're saying. Not to necessarily suede you to believe what they believe, but to at least cause you, to sharpen you, to think, to develop your ability to make arguments, to discern with reason and, and, and understanding what is true. What is, what is the logical way of thinking of the truth? How do, how, do we, how do we parse through these arguments in a way that we can find a solution forward, find a solution together? That's my, my challenge to you. Thank you so much for being here, listening to the show. I, 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 I love the ability to get to connect and talk with you. If you love the show or like it or hate it, it would mean so much to us. If you share it with your friends, family, and enemy, you know, that person that you're thinking, oh, so-and-so really needs to listen to this. Send it to him or her today. And most importantly, remember, you are a truth seeker. You are someone who goes out and asks questions and thinks through things and develops sound arguments so that you can connect with your purpose and own your future.